Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Ethan Stark. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, welcome back. After a little bit of a hiatus, that was our summer break uh, for us four hosts. And we are back now to talk about WNBA basketball. And holy crap, there is a lot that we got to touch on. So with me to help today um, is my new landlord, Kyle Haywood. <laughs> I like that that's how you're going to introduce me. Uh, <laughs> my current landlord, uh, Kyle Haywood. <laughs> yeah, he is part of the agreement. He demanded to be on the show. We have to... <laughs> We have to accommodate. Now I'm, now I'm holding, uh, Log- anytime Logan's going to be on the show, I have to hold him hostage that I get to also be on the show that time. So <laughs> that's, that's true. I, I was, uh, we're not streaming this one. A lot of times we'll do our episodes on Twitch, so you should join us over there. But um, this one, we, we wanted to make sure that we got out because we know you guys have been waiting on an episode. Um, and we're not we're not streaming this one, but I really was looking forward to making the first of many jokes about like, oh, I haven't seen you in a long time, Kyle. As <laughs> like, I'm like thirty Multiple seconds times ago. a day, yeah, it was like yeah. like we were standing in my kitchen, and I was like, do you want to record right now? All right, <laughs> like, and he walked downstairs, and I walked upstairs to like go record. You know what? I was thinking since we're not streaming, you totally could have just grabbed a chair and like sat in the office with me, and we could like record next. That's to each true. Other. I don't know why. That's. <laughs> That's never been our process. I think a lot of people don't know that still, yeah. um, but we record, like, we've never really recorded in the same place. Uh, it's one of the, the challenges um, that we, you know, we put on Jason, our editor, to, to make it sound as much as possible. Like, uh, we're, all, we're all together. But if we ever talk over each other, it's because, uh, like, one of us is, like, lagging or something because yeah. <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have, like, our sponsored studio built yet for this podcast, but that's, that's the goal, man. Like, we're just going to turn. I have a second bedroom now. And when we get that figured out and soundproofed and get mics put in there, that's it's gonna be the first ever WNBA Nation uh, sponsored by insert your sponsor here. Yeah, if anybody's looking to sponsor the show, uh, we could talk numbers with you and see uh, yeah. see if you want to hook yeah. it up. We could do something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, until then, we we got. Uh, Man, since we last tuned in with you guys, it was, it was probably about two weeks because it was the end of May was our last episode. We we basically, Kyle and I were on that episode talking about like how long does it take before you know the truth about some teams? Yeah. And I think our answer was like, I don't know, like 10 to 12 games, like a third of the way in the season. Well, as of recording this, we are looking at most teams having played about nine or 10 games, uh, which means that it's time to do some standings watch with you guys today. That's what we've got planned. Uh, and then anything else that, that Kyle, you want to throw in there, we can also do that. Absolutely. But I'm looking forward to, to breaking down what you think about some of these teams that are rising and falling. Um, some some teams are in trouble. Some teams are doing better than we thought. Uh, we can start wherever you want, but where you should want to start is with the Connecticut Sun. Am I, am I That's wrong? That's always where I want to start, Logan. <laughs> So talk to me about the 8-2 and two Connecticut Sun, and especially with uh, with John Quill Jones' departure, kind of how you see this team season so far. Uh, yeah, well, since we, we talked last, I mean, since Connecticut started out really, really hot, shot right up out into first place, and has pretty much held, held serve there. Um, Connecticut is a phenomenal basketball team that I worry is going to start to slide ever so 
much when uh, Jonquil Jones steps aside because right now Jonquil Jones is looking like she is like the front runner of the WNB or the WNBA MVP race. Um, so because of that, I think it'll be. I, I think that we may see Connecticut lose in a few games here and there, but to this point, the identity of the Connecticut sun is they've been playing like the best team in basketball right now. They that's, that's where they're at. Um, but this is such, uh, this is such a hard season, especially because of the Olympics and other, you know, other things going on that, you know, teams like we already mentioned teams like Washington, who've got like three of their starters gone right now uh connecticut missing one of their starters and now going to be missing you know their front runner for mvp um i think the standings right now really do reflect exactly how each team has been playing um but connecticut for me they've looked like the best team i don't think they're going to be holding on to that number one spot um, and Connecticut, you can say I'm disrespecting you with the capital CT. I don't look at it. I, I, I'm not trying to. You guys have more than proved me wrong in uh, my prediction of, of where I had you. Uh, but with John Cole Jones stepping down, I think that that's, you know, I'm, I don't want to under underrate John Cole Jones' contributions. And so yeah. I think that that's, that's where I'm seeing Connecticut. They are going to start to slide ever so ever so slightly here. Yeah, the Sun are such a good team, man, but so much of what makes that team go is John Quill Jones. If you look down um, over their of, of like oh, like their game-by-game schedule, I mean, she leads the team in points almost every night. She leads the team in uh, rebounds every night but one. Bonner got more rebounds than her one time mm-hmm. this year, but she generally is getting double-digit rebounds. She's getting 20 points a game. She's actually... I, I have her pro basketball reference page just like permanently open on a tab <laughs> on my computer just cuz I keep going back to it this season. Mm-hmm. She's averaging over 21 per game uh with eight rebounds added in and a handful of assists. She is easily an MVP front runner. Um in fact, I think she's kind of sparking a debate over how many games you can miss of the WNBA season and still throw your hat in the ring for MVP because it you know, she's in terms of leading the pack, it's her right now, but there's certainly an opportunity for other athletes to step into that spotlight with her overseas. Um, the other thing that you'll notice if you look at the Connecticut Sun as a whole is it's June 8th as of the recording of this episode. They have yet to lose a game in regulation. Yes. Uh, they have lost to the Seattle Storm in an overtime contest uh, back at the end of May. That was, that was right when we recorded our last episode. And then they lost at Minnesota in overtime by five. Uh, in another one that was just kind of bonkers, and then kind of rebounded with with good wins against Vegas and New York. So um, I'm with you. I I think they're gonna feel Jones's absence uh, like you would feel almost like an injury. Like if you know if you took Elena Deladon off the championship Mystics team in 2019, like what would you have? And it's like it's still a pretty good team with a lot of good pieces, but you know they play Seattle next, uh, and then they have. Three of their next four games after that are against Chicago, and we, you know, we haven't talked about Chicago yet on this pod, but they got some work to do. So those, you know, even without Jones, those could be some winnable games. Uh, and then I don't want to forecast too far into the future, but it's basically going to come down to can this team come together and kind of weather the storm with with Kurt Miller at the helm uh, until she comes back. And I I think they can. I think there's a a pretty soft 
next few weeks of their schedule. Well, and, it, and then even once if she's they back, just, they, they get back to it. If they just go about 500, maybe a game or two over 500 during that stretch, they're going to be just fine. They're still going to sure. be, you know, then Jones comes back, and if they pick up right where they've left off, I easily see them potentially being, uh, you know, a, a two-by team that they're going to uh, be a top two seed in the league. And and so, yeah, you got to weather a little bit of uh, some some missing uh, players right now, but everybody is in the league. You know, that's not going to be only Connecticut that's going to have that struggle. You know, we've seen other teams um, missing star players, you know, uh, Chicago and and Washington and others already. So, and yeah. even Dallas and Minnesota, you know, some a lot of these teams that are kind of in that lower that lower half of the league have been missing major, major players and major contributors for large spans of the, of the uh, season so far. Yeah. Yeah. The difference being that Connecticut's really capitalized on how good they've been playing um, and have themselves a, a little bit of a lead in this, you know, I, I don't think they'll be able to stay in front of Seattle or maybe even Vegas without Jones for too long. Um, but as you said, I, I think all it takes, you know, there's the season is so short relative to other sports seasons all it takes is a hot start that like connecticut just had and then average basketball for a lot of the season and then just finish strong like get get her back and get playing the type of basketball you want to play before the playoffs so that everything is kind of well oiled by the time you you get to elimination games and they're going to be just fine love it so looking forward to a, a good year from connecticut but don't be super surprised if they start slipping a little bit in the standings especially because seattle is hot on their heels uh, the 2021 Seattle Storm mean all kinds of business. Bree Stewart and Sue Bird are still out there doing it, and they might not even be the uh, <laughs> the. I don't want to say best. I think Bree Stewart is still one of the, the just the most dominant players on the planet. But we got to talk about Jewel Lloyd. Jewel Lloyd is playing MVP level basketball. Yeah, Jewel Lloyd on any other team this year, we like she would easily be in that running. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think people are starting, I, I've seen that said a lot, like it's not going under the radar anymore. Um, but holy crap, like, I, I think she kind of emphasized it with the buzzer beater over Dallas. That was obviously like her moment where she got to be uh, like all eyes on, on her and, and she took the, the game into her hands. But Seattle 7-2, and two, uh, they're playing really well. And to your point, I mean, we, we kind of wondered before the season, like, Bree is a lock to be one of the best players in the league. Um, but what what are they going to get from Sue Bird? You know, is Jem going to be her usual awesome self? Are they going to take a step backward defensively because of the pieces that they lost? And, uh, I mean, they're, they're not... I think people underestimate how much of a titan they were last season. They really just pushed everyone around. But... Eight and two with losses... A one-point a one point loss to Dallas, which you knew Dallas was going to get him eventually because... All three games against Dallas were like these insanely tight contests. I think the, yeah. the previous two went to overtime. Um, so it, it took a buzzer beater from Arike to, to finally put them over the top. But they finally dropped one to Dallas after uh, some hard-fought battles. And then at the beginning of the season, they lost. Uh, they, they split the series with Vegas, so they lost one to Vegas. Um, but they've got, you know, they've got teams coming up. Uh, a couple against the Dream, a couple against the Fever, and then in there they've got a game against the John Quill Jones-less Connecticut Sun. Uh, they are looking prime for my previous prediction of dropping like three or four total games by the end of June. Yeah. Uh, and, and even into July. So they, they're they going to be number one 
I think they're going to get a double bye this season. They the, the defensive struggles that people speculated they might endure this year after their off season, they they haven't meant much of anything really. So, are you more scared of Seattle or Connecticut at full strength in a series right now? Um, ooh, that's tough. I think they're both really really scary. Personally, I'm I would be more afraid to play Connecticut with John Quill Jones. Really? Yeah, because uh, Seattle's dropped a couple of games. They've only both lost two games, you know. Connecticut's 8 and 2, Seattle's 7 and 2. Um they both have only lost twice, but can I mean they were close games to both of them, but I really do think that Connecticut with John Quill Jones, they just like they just play different and right now they look like the best team. Seattle has had a, a, a few more close wins. Um, uh-huh. And so that's where I, I probably give the nod to Connecticut because they've most of their wins have come in pretty dominating fashion. Uh, Seattle's had to squeak a few more out. Um, and that's where, that's where I got to give that, that lead a little bit to Connecticut. Here's, here's a question I've kind of been turning over in my, in my mind this week because this question has arisen on Twitter recently. When it comes down to coin flip games, do you give a lot of weight to teams that win a lot of like coin flip games, like ones that come down to the last shot? Or like I, I think the question comes from like, hey, like team like there are some teams in the league that have lost like seven close games. You gotta figure that they're actually better than their record. But at the same time, they've kind of proven that they're not poised enough to win those games. How do you how do you sort through all that? That's a tough question. Um generally Let's take Seattle last year for an example. They didn't have a lot of close games because they were the best team. And so that's where I was like, they're obviously much better. Whereas you had some, uh, you know, let's take Seattle this year where a lot of their wins have come, you know, seem in seemingly closer games. That's where it's like, well, they're not as good. There, like, there still is something to it. Like, there still is something to it. But when you've won, you know, uh, several of your games, let's see, they uh, they had a, a 197 win, a 90 to 87 win, um, 105 to 102 win. You know, like, like they've had three wins right there that were within one possession, you know, and then a couple others. Their very first game against the Aces. Um, oh no, I was reading that score wrong. Uh, that's, that was actually pretty dominating. Um, but yeah, like I just, I don't know. I, I, I think Connecticut's wins have felt a little bit more convincing to me. And I think they've just looked more dominant. Um, you could take Las Vegas last year for, uh, an example, you know, Las Vegas versus, versus Seattle. They ended up being the same record. Las Vegas actually getting the number one seed. Las Vegas played a lot more close games than Seattle did. And when it came to the finals, Seattle just took over and were dominant like they were all season. And so um, there is something to that when they're playing in a early playoff, you know, playing against another team that's maybe more evenly matched. But at the end of the day, when you get into the finals and one team's just been dominant, you go with the dominant team, and that's that's where I feel like Connecticut. I'm not saying Connecticut and Seattle that there's a huge gap this year, and that Connecticut's been way more dominant than Seattle. Seattle's been really good, but I think that Connecticut, I think, has the edge uh, uh, in that category for me. Yeah, yeah. Vegas is also right there in the standings. They're seven and three. 
Um, they're they're doing it. It took them a minute to get going this season, but uh, absolutely, they're they're in the thick of that top tier mm-hmm. teams like we expected. And uh, Steve's Phoenix Mercury, uh, one of one of the first teams to five wins. They're on a three game hot streak at the moment uh, with Skylar Diggins Smith playing exceptionally well. So some good teams playing at the top of the standings. Uh, I want to get into. I, I guess <laughs> I don't want to end the show in like. 10 or 15 minutes from now on something negative. So we better go ahead and cut right to the Chicago sky now. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then we can, you know, I, I think there will be time at the end to talk about, like, you know, your biggest surprises and, and teams that you're kind of rooting for that are doing better than we think. But uh, let's talk about the problems happening in Chicago. Obviously, you can post a lot of this uh, as, you know, you throw it out. They're five games below 500, but, like, they, you know, they're injured. They're not their complete team. Uh, how do you feel about that? Kyle, knowing that a lot of teams right now are not their complete teams for various reasons. It's, I feel like Chicago and LA, if you flipped them in the standings, that's closer to where I thought they would be. Uh, LA at number five and Chicago at number 11. If you'd have swapped those two, I would have believed that a little bit more. Um, I think obviously injuries have played a, a big part in this, you know, uh, you know, missing Allie Quigley, missing Candace Parker, um, you know, just just not being all the way there. That being said, I still thought there were going to be, I thought they had enough pieces to, even if Candace Parker went down, I mean, they didn't lose a ton in the offseason and they added Candace. So I didn't feel like they would be at two and seven and in second to last place in the league, you know, five and a half games like behind first, like they're way down there. They've only won two games all season. That's a little concerning. They have to figure it out quick. Chicago, if they don't figure this out soon, they might miss the playoffs. And we've had them as a potential title contender in the preseason. And they might miss the playoffs. It's a short schedule. You have to figure it out now. The unfortunate part from Chicago is that they've played... Uh, the Dream, the Liberty, L.A., Washington, and Indi- uh, no, they haven't played Indiana in in regular season yet. They're about to play, yeah. but they've played some of what you would consider maybe the 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 lower half teams. You know, L.A. Everybody thought was going to be in the bottom. Um, Atlanta is in the bottom. New York is outperforming what we thought Washington's in the bottom like they've had those opportunities to play some of those lower end teams they're not getting all these losses against teams like Connecticut Seattle uh Phoenix um yeah even Las Vegas they haven't played a single one of those oh no they did play Phoenix twice excuse me um but those top three teams that we just mentioned Connecticut Seattle and Las Vegas they haven't played them at all yet and they're two and seven that's what's a little bit nerve-wracking for me now however their next two games are against the Indiana Fever. They have a back-to-back uh, series against the Indiana Fever. They have to get on track now. And if you can't do it against Indiana, I don't know when you will do it because Indiana's not a good basketball team this season. So you have yeah. to do it right now. And if they can, and then they can maybe string a couple of uh, decent games together. They've got Connecticut coming up uh, in you know what two weeks or so. Without Jonquil Jones, maybe you can steal one of those two games or both of them. Like, you could turn it around. But if you don't, by the time June 19th rolls around, if if you haven't gotten at least two or three wins over the next five games, they're toast. 
they are absolutely toast and i think they might they'll probably miss the uh if they don't miss the playoffs they'll be like an eight seed and that's not at all where i saw chicago uh at the beginning of the season yeah they're they're the worst shooting team in the league right now um so if you're looking for the why behind these problems you got to start there which is wild because the offensive firepower is really what we were looking forward to with this team um, but it's just not there for them so far. And to your point, if you're schedule watching, they've, they're on a seven-game losing streak right now, Ooh. which puts me in a difficult position because I think you have to be a bad team to lose seven games in a row. Yeah. And, and I don't really think of the Sky as being a bad team, but if they're a good team, why don't they play good? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> so, so losing seven in a row is extremely bad. And then, as you said, two Indiana games probably gets them – you know, they kind of they shovel some water out of the sinking boat a little bit with those two games. But if you're looking to make a big push at the end of the year, like if your thought process as a Sky fan is like, well, everyone will get back and healthy after the Olympic break. We'll make a push at the end of the year. Your end of the year is Seattle a bunch of times, Vegas three times, Phoenix is in there, Dallas is pesky. Like you're you're gonna play two or three teams at the very top of the standings like six times trying to make your big playoff push, it's not gonna be easy going. Um, even if you've got your full strength back, this is this is the reverse Connecticut Sun, right? And in fact, it's kind of what the Connecticut Sun did last year, if you remember. Right. Um, but the reason that Connecticut got into the playoffs was they ended the season so strong, and I I think if you're banking on that as a Sky fan, you look out because that's gonna be a really tough road. Um, so I, I'm worried about them. I'm worried about their shooting. Uh, like I said, they, they are the worst in the league. I think they're, uh, let me get the, the three point stats in front of me. They're third worst in three point shooting, um, ahead of just Minnesota and Indiana who are having a lot of problems in that department. Um, it's just ugly. Like it's hard to watch. Um, I, I want them to fix it. But for you know, for a team with Courtney Vandersloot still like in her prime, like doing her thing, they're not even really high in assists per game. And assisted buckets is kind of a good, you know, it, it's kind of a crude reading on like how well the the offense is flowing together, and like how well the team is moving the ball, whether they're in rhythm, and they just aren't right now. Um, I I wish we could talk about more uplifting things with Chicago, like Kalia Copper playing really well this year. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's really being overshadowed by all these other dysfunctions with the team. So that that's the bummer segment for today. We want Chicago to be better, um, and and like you you fix it by getting healthy, but you also fix it by just being smarter with the ball and like remembering how to win again. And maybe that's what these next two games against Indiana will provide is just a little taste of what it's like to be back in the in the win column. Uh, speaking of teams, uh, as, as bad as Chicago's looked, I got to give some love up to my Minnesota Lynx real quick. Um, Laisha Clarendon got signed with Minnesota. And as soon as that happened, they have not lost a game. When, when the Laisha Clarendon was signed to Minnesota, everybody, you know, there was, there was a lot of reactions. Oh, you know, they're an all-star level player and they've done a phenomenal job ever since arriving in Minnesota. Clarendon has been plus 18, plus, uh, where are we? Uh, plus 18, plus 11, and then uh, dead even. That's where they've been uh, in the Minnesota Lynx games that they've played in. And Minnesota was sliding. And when Clarendon showed up, 
all of a sudden there's just an impact that they have on the floor that's different compared to so many uh, other other players out there that that when Clarendon's out there there's just this there's it, things seem to be flowing better for for Minnesota when they're on the floor and I just think that's that's been a, a huge huge um, element to what the success that we've seen out of Minnesota and Minnesota's just figured it out you know um, they had one close game against Atlanta but yeah their their wins uh, they beat the Connecticut Sun as their first win of the season they beat the Connecticut yeah. Sun. And then they got back-to-back wins against uh, Atlanta, and they're up currently as we're recording this. Uh, they're up on, or excuse me, no, they're they're down four, but they're playing the Mystics pretty close. And they've got a couple teams ahead of them. They've got the Sparks, winnable game, Chicago, winnable game, Dallas, Dallas, Atlanta. Like their next one, two, three, four, five games um, after the Mystics tonight are very winnable games before they start playing teams like uh, Las Vegas and Phoenix. If they go ahead and win, let's say four of the next five, I really like where Minnesota, where Minnesota could be. You know, if they're sitting at seven and five, they're, they're going to be up in that upper echelon of the yeah. league. And I think that that's the reality of where we'll likely see Minnesota here pretty soon. So, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit like we jumped the gun putting up in, putting them in like the top three or four in our Mm -hmm. preseason predictions. But uh, I don't think the beginning of the season was their truth. No. Um, And they were missing what we always, not only did they uh, not have signed uh, Clarendon, they were missing Nafisa Collier for a large stretch of that too. Yeah. Who's like a perennial fringe MVP candidate and one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, So that makes a difference. And also, we said this at the top of the show. I think 10 to 12 games is enough of a sample size to start drawing conclusions for a team. They're, they and the Mystics have played the fewest amount of games so far. That's why they're playing right now. Um, and as Kyle mentioned, it's a four-point game uh, around halftime as, as of this recording. Um, but they, they've only played seven games, and they lost the first four to you know, close to Phoenix, and then the hot start, New York Liberty, and then Seattle, Seattle. So tough early season sledding because mm-hmm. it was a tough schedule. Um, and they didn't have one of their most important players. And suddenly, against Connecticut, overtime win, Atlanta close win, and then Atlanta 20-point blowout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now a close win against the Mystics. So they've got some teams coming up that I absolutely think are beatable. You've got the Sparks in Chicago after this, and then a doubleheader at Dallas. Dallas has been, uh, has been really pesky this year. Um, but you, you expect the youth of Dallas to, to not always um, perform late in the clutch. We're going to talk about the Dallas Wings in a minute. I actually have a lot of good things to say about Dallas. Um, but that's, you know, they. I think they're turning things around at exactly the right time. Like, if if Chicago is a sinking ship, I think uh, I think Minnesota kind of avoided, uh, <laughs> avoided the, the worst of the storm and has kind of um, righted things in time to have, like, a really good shot at a decent playoff berth by the end of the year. They also end their year with uh, a game against the Sparks, two against the Mystics, three against the Fever. Um, teams that I think by then we'll expect them to beat. So they could be one of those candidates for going 500 most of the year and then finishing really strong. So I I like them a lot. Um, I'm glad that, that Cheryl Reeve came out and she called that team out. Um, and there, there aren't a lot of coaches in the league that are willing to publicly do that. I'm sure in the locker room it happens more than we think. Um, but if you if you remember the quote, it was something like that's that's one of the worst defensive performances in my 
tenure as a coach. And she, her tenure as a coach is a decade. Yeah. Um, and then the next game, they beat uh, the like the five and zero Connecticut Sun, handed them their first loss. So she knows how to <laughs> she knows how to coach Kyle. That's the <laughs> that's the big takeaway from here. Uh, we only have a few minutes left of this episode. We wanted to give you the basic overview of who's hot and who's not right now in the in the league. I, I don't like that I phrase it that way, but that, that's essentially what this is. But we left a little bit of time for the biggest surprises, um, and I'll I'll launch off this discussion by saying that I think the Dallas Wings three and five record, while not glowing, is actually like pretty decent, all things considered. Especially since two of those five losses are overtime to the the reigning champs. Yeah, um, how? <laughs> Every time I see the Dallas Wings on the schedule, I don't know what to think. Like for other teams, because when I see, you know, the Fever or the Mystics or maybe even like the Dream and the Lynx, who are both hovering around 500 right now, for a good team, I think you know a good team should win that game. For Dallas, it's kind of like, I don't know, you know, Arike Gumbawale is a star, and now Marina Mabry has thrown her hat in the ring as an easy most improved contender. Um, having a 50-40-90 season on the early season, yeah. so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Mabry in the wings, do you see them as a as an automatic win for the better teams in the league, or, or am I just Absolutely imagining things? Absolutely not. The wings have <laughs> not lost by double digits yet. And their wow. their losses, or yeah, they haven't lost by double digits yet. They have lost to Seattle twice, the reigning champs, Phoenix, um, New York, so those teams alone are all in the top half, and Atlanta, which is a, a 500 team right now. You know, they haven't played, you know, they, they haven't lost to, to bad teams. They've lost to really good teams. Um, specifically, Seattle, all three of their games were decided literally, quite literally at the buzzer. You know, over time, um, the last two meetings with the Jewel Lloyd uh, buzzer beater winner that everybody saw and then Arike's buzzer beater winner uh, to follow it you know two days later um, we just were raving about how Seattle's looking like a really tough team Dallas is hanging with them and then the other losses they have are really close losses and I know we just had that discussion with Connecticut versus uh, Seattle you know how much stock do you put into that I actually put a lot of stock into this because I think the reason Dallas was losing those close those close games was they lack experience. We talked all preseason about how they're such a young team. You're going to lose some of these games due to lack of experience. But the talent's there, and I really like what I'm seeing from Dallas right now. In fact, i got to ask a question of you since we're talking about Dallas. Dallas and Atlanta are two teams that we weren't quite sure what to think. Atlanta's at 4-4, four and four, Dallas is at 3-5. and five. They're one game apart. At this moment, Logan, which one do you feel most confident would make the playoffs? Certainly it's Dallas. Okay, certainly, even though Atlanta's yeah, I, currently in number 7? They're up, but I, I, think, I think Dallas is finally on track um, because they, they've had a star and then a lot of support role players for a couple years. And they obviously they were you know famously over the last two years they've drafted a ton of rookies they just had like the average age of the team is probably like twenty two like they you know they just didn't have anyone around Arike Agumbawale to take the pressure off and now with Marina Mabry averaging nineteen points a game um, and they as as a team they're they're averaging the, the they're getting the most shots up per game they're in the top half of the league in field goal percentage I mean they're finally starting to figure out things on the offensive end. 
and it's opening things up on on offense that haven't been there before. Like you you don't get the Arike Ogunbowale game winner against Seattle if Marina Mabry is not also a threat to hit that shot. Um, and so I'm I'm really liking how things are coming together now. The support roles are there. Alicia Gray, 14 points per game. She stuffs the stat sheet with assists and rebounds every night as well. She's kind of stepped into that, you know, the the she's not going to be like the star of the team, but she's absolutely someone that you want on the team as as a nice piece. And then I think Satuk Sabli's been coming along as well. Like they're they're figuring things out in Dallas and I I feel like it, like me picking them over Atlanta is not supposed to be a slight against Atlanta. I think they've actually um, they have many of the same, uh, I guess attributes. Positive, yeah, like like a lot of the same positive feelings I feel about Dallas. Like you could attribute to Atlanta. I just don't think they're as consistent. Um, I don't I don't trust their shooting quite as much. Um, I I I just I still worry like. Atlanta's upcoming schedule is pretty brutal, um, and I I think when I watch Dallas, I I think Dallas is having more fun, and I think that can actually take you a long way if you're if you're playing with house money, and you're just having a year like nobody expects anything from you, you're you're supposed to be outside of the playoffs, like you're you're this brand new team with with really like one like face that people recognize. I think that allows you a lot of freedom. And I think there's a lot of pressure on Atlanta that isn't on the Dallas Wings, and so I, I actually at this moment, um, I guess I would I would have to look at, at more of an in-depth breakdown of kind of what they have ahead of them and um, if they have any like players leaving for different like commitments and things like that. But uh, I'll I'll go on record, which is a scary thing for me to do. I I will take uh, I will take the Dallas Wings as getting the eighth spot in the playoffs this year. Okay, instead of Atlanta. Saying Atlanta would miss, Dallas would slide in. I, I think Atlanta's going to drop. I think the Liberty are going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I know the Liberty are dealing with some things, but I think the Liberty are going to make it. I think Chicago is going to claw their way back up to threatening for that eighth spot, and it's going to be Atlanta and and Dallas and Chicago scrambling to get in um, to the uh, really the last two. I think seven, eight, nine is going to be those three teams, mm-hmm. and I think the one on the outside looking in is going to be Atlanta. Okay, interesting, interesting. I like that take. We've pretty much covered um, any surprises that I have. Uh, I kind of mentioned it already. The Chicago and L.A. like being almost swapped places from where I would expect them to be uh, is probably my biggest surprise. That uh, Chicago went zero and three against the Sparks. That was that was probably my biggest surprise. I would have pick Chicago to go two and one, maybe three and zero against the Sparks. Um, so that that's where I would say my biggest surprise. But we already hit that. So, uh, but yeah, sweet dude, I'm 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 digging it. I, it's such a fun time because we're starting to see how things are coming together. But there's still so much basketball to be played. You know, there's a ton that could happen. We could see Connecticut go on a losing streak, drop down into number six. We could see Chicago go on a win streak, pop up into number four. We don't know. You know, there's a lot that there's still a ton of shuffling around that could happen in the league, and I'm really excited to see where things end up uh, on a week to week basis. Logan, I'm glad we were able to record today. Uh, kind of a, a short, you know, little mini episode that we're gonna send out to to y'all. But um, you know, it was it was, it was well past due. We've had plenty of uh, life happening. Uh, Steve has literally had a baby today. 
Um, he and his wife uh, were in the hospital this morning, and Jason is moving into a new house. Logan moved into my house, and then I've had family and friends sleeping in the room next to where I record every night for the last week. Um, so yeah. we've just had <laughs> we've had so much happening. It's good to be back on back on Mike, even if it's a little quick mini update from us. You'll be hearing some more regular episodes. Um, things have have uh, have. Uh, leveled out a little bit at least for uh logan and jason and myself so you'll be hearing from us a little more regularly sending all of our love to the newest of the WNBA nation family uh to the schwartzman family on their on their new baby girl so we're excited about that um but yeah anything else logan before we sign off yeah man uh just I'm excited. We're I, I can commit now to uh, at least one more recording later in the week to where we can kind of dig deeper into the specific games yes. uh, that we've been watching and, and some storylines. I want to talk some Liz Cambage. Yeah, yeah, we've Liz Cambage laughing. Liz Cambage talk. I think, dude, happy Liz Cambage. That's been laughing, my favorite clip of the last laughing, two weeks. Laughing, posting up Liz Cambage is my favorite version of Liz Cambage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna. We're going to hit you up later this week with an episode uh, with storylines and game specifics and some more stats for you guys, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you for abiding our little two-week break uh, right at the start of this season. We're excited to, to kind of get back into the thick of things and be a consistent source for you guys, and uh, I'm looking forward to all of that. Uh, we will also be Twitch streaming most of our episodes. This was kind of a quick hitter, but um, you, if you want to jump on there and, and join the conversation, answer some of the questions that we ask each other on the show... A lot of times, if you've listened to past episodes, you know that we can include uh, some of those contributions in our recordings, which we really like. And then join us, uh, join the conversation on Twitter as well, uh, at WNBA Nation Pod. Uh, and go ahead and swing by Steve uh, S.E. Schwartzman uh, and wish him uh, congratulations on the new baby girl. I'm, I'm sure by the time you're listening to this episode, he will have officially announced that with, with pictures and video. Absolutely. Um, so be on the lookout for that as well. We're very happy for him. Uh, that's it. That does it. We are going to clock in at under 40 minutes on this one, Kyle. Not bad. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For WNBA Nation, I am Logan Jones. And I'm Kyle Haywood. And we got you next time.